Good morning, Riverstone Church. I love to see our church filling up with more and more worshipers of God, Sunday after Sunday. It's so good to see familiar faces that I haven't seen in a, in a while back, week after week. And um, I know I'm not alone in that. After a long, arduous season filled with all, all, all sorts of separation in a variety of ways, it's so good to be back. And there's so many new faces and families and individuals here among us. I mean, we got families multiplying. This is amazing. Praise God. We're in a good place. I'm Austin Delgado, the pastor of outreach here at Riverstone Church. And I bet over these last couple months, you've all had a number of big decisions you've had to make. Should I go back to church in person now? Should I send my kids back to school? Quite a number of factors in that one. Should I try homeschooling? Should we get the vaccine? Do I stay at my job and embrace the new mandates? Or look elsewhere? What sports should I or my kids play this season? What clubs should I join? Should we go on vacation this season or expand our kitchen, build an addition? Should I invest in this stock or that stock? What about crypto? What is that anyway? <laughs> what kind of look should I have this season? These among many everyday, every season decisions that many of us reflect on and make, some of them are new and unique to this particular year, but all general, generally oriented around our well-being, the well-being of my family. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's good, and it's wise. However, a Christian has much more to consider in this life. And this morning, we're going to start a two-part mini-series through the book of Haggai, this week and next week. I'm very excited about it. Haggai was a prophet of God called to deliver a necessary word from God at a unique point in Israel's history. His prophetic ministry that is recorded in this book spans only the length of about four months recorded in only two chapters, and yet had infinitely important implications on the people of God back then and for us today. You see, Haggai is referred to as one of the post-exilic prophets, meaning that his prophetic ministry to Israel, the people of God, occurs after their 70 years in exile in Babylon. You'll find the three post-exilic prophets at the very end of the Old Testament to guide you if you want to turn to Haggai with us this morning. And uh, ushers can pass out Bibles for anyone who does not have a Bible. You can just put your hand up. 
It's important, it's helpful to recap the Old Testament story before we uh, dip into the book. The Old Testament story up to this point, God calls a people out of all the peoples of the earth to be his people, Israel. He appoints a king and establishes a kingdom for himself and for them, and he blesses them tremendously. They're untouchable. They prosper in all their ways until they forget about him. Increasingly consumed with themselves, they disobey him in all sorts of ways. And after much patience and many appeals, God brings judgment upon them, as he told them he would time and time again. God uses the powerful Babylonian empire to wipe out the kingdom of Israel, destroy everything, and sends his people into captivity in Babylon, lost in a foreign land with no identity and no heavenly protection, provision, and sense of purpose. This lasts for about 70 years. And then Cyrus, the king of Persia, after conquering Babylon, issues a decree to allow all the Israelites to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple to their God and their city, Jerusalem. God again proves himself to be true and good and faithful and merciful to his people. They're back, finally. They're back in Jerusalem. They've returned. And so they begin to work on the temple, but very shortly after they returned, they stopped. For a variety of reasons, some internal, some external. You can actually read about it in the first six chapters of Ezra. The people of God appear to have fallen into a lame groove. And they coasted in this groove for about 18 years. Nothing to record for us in the Bible, just a lapse in time. It is into this context that God sends Haggai to remind his people of their identity and role in the world. And he calls them to respond in at least a few ways that we will see this morning. Likewise, family, for us, too, after a disorienting two years, I trust that this is an appropriate word from the Lord to be reminded of our identity, who we are, and our role in the world, what our purpose is, as we continue to make decisions and set our priorities for the year ahead. Let's pray, and then we'll hear a word from the Lord. Oh, Lord, thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for bringing us back together after a very difficult season in a variety of ways, Lord. We just love this environment filling up with love and worshipers of you. And we ask that this morning, Lord, you would open the hearts and eyes of all of us, Lord. Help us to see and behold the beauties of God, 
in the face of Jesus Christ, Lord. Satisfy us this morning with your mercies that we would rejoice and be glad all of our days as we seek to serve you faithfully. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Let's read Haggai chapter 1, the first two verses. In the second year of Darius the king, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, This people says the time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Okay, so right off the bat, something to note here, very precise dating. Can I just drop a Bible plug for just two seconds? This is important here. Second year of Darius, first day of the sixth month. Notice the historical accuracy here. This is important for anyone who finds the Bible uh, d difficult or uh, to, to, to put your trust in, has, has, is maybe skeptical about the reliability and trustworthiness of Scripture. Let's make something clear. This book is not only a supernatural book, being the very words of God himself. It's also a history book, 100% historically accurate in all its content. Okay, let's move on. Second point regarding this, 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 this specificity and timing here for the sake of our message this morning. Second year of Darius, the king of Persia, first day, sixth month. It's harvest season. According to the Jewish calendar, it's about the time of the end of August, early September. So what this means is this is a time where everyone goes out, gathers all the fruits of their labors for this season, gathers all their harvest, brings it back, and celebrates. This is a time of celebration. We see that this first oracle is given to the acting governor over God's people, Zerubbabel, and their high priest, Joshua. Thus, with the civil and religious leaders receiving this message, it's intended to be shared with all the people of Israel. And God says to them, this people says it's not time yet to build my house. Now, if you were an Israelite at the time, this language is significant. You know right off the bat, uh-oh, something's not right. This being made clear that God addresses this people and not my people. We know how this works. We joke about it all the time. At least we do in, in our household. I have two little daughters, and they're, they're, they're overwhelmingly sweet and, and joyful all the time, uh, most of the time. But so, when I, so, so most of the time, I'm picking them up, and I'm squeezing them and kissing them, and usually I'm whispering something like, my girlies, my sweeties, my babies. But then when one of them is acting up, I typically look at Davia, do you see what your daughter is doing? <laughs> you know how this works. See, we joke about it. We joke about this, this quick disassociation. This is no joke here. This, this language indicates separation from God. 
Let's read on, verses 3 through 6. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies desolate? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much, but harvest little. You eat, but there is not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there is not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. And he who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. The indictment to all of Israel. There's emphatic meaning here in the original language in this text. Is it time for you, you I say, to dwell in your paneled houses and neglect mine? You've been at work all right, I see, with your reinforced paneled houses, indicating well-built residences at the time. The indictment is clear. You have plenty of time for yourselves, I see, but what about me and my house? Referring to God's temple. Remember, this was the whole purpose he sent them back through Cyrus to rebuild his house, the temple. Then the first call to action we see here, consider your ways. Consider where you've been. Consider where you're at now. What you've been up to. What you got for it. Where's your harvest? The fruits of all your labors. You not satisfied? Disappointed? Upset? Discouraged, depressed, anxious? Why do you think that is? Why is there nothing for you to celebrate this season? Let's read on. Verses 7 through 11. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple, that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, I blow it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house, which lies desolate, while each of you runs to his own house. Therefore, because of you the sky has withheld its dew and the earth has withheld its produce, I called for a drought on the land, on the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, on what the ground produces, on men, on cattle, and on all the labor of your hands. Consider your ways again, but this time oriented toward the future. Go, get to work on my house, my priorities, my purposes for you, so that I will be pleased and glorified among you. I'll come back to the significance of that in a moment. You want to know why you're empty-handed, dissatisfied, and depressed? I'll tell you why. And Haggai employs more wordplay here. You bring the drought, in your hearts and hands to my house, 
Okay, I'll bring the drought to you. You neglect my house and leave it desolate? Okay, I'll neglect your house, leave you desolate. These are the exact covenant curses that God told them through Moses in Deuteronomy would happen if they failed to faithfully obey the voice of the Lord. Deuteronomy 28.1. Family, we know that God is good. Amen? We know that God is not a vindictive God. But we do need to have a balanced understanding of how God keeps us close to him. It is good to know that God does not spitefully bring hardships upon us and that he does not delight in, inf in afflicting us. But we also need to know that sometimes he does bring hardships upon us for a purpose, his purposes. Sometimes to discipline us and lead us back to himself. Sometimes to lead us into greater levels of maturity and Christ-likeness. This is a word coming after the exile. Before the exile, there were, God sent several rounds of prophets to make appeals to the people, one of them being Amos. And Amos comes in announcing to all of Israel, don't you see? God is bringing disastrous weather conditions and ruined harvest seasons to get your attention. But you're too stubborn and self-confident self to recognize it. That was the word of the prophet Amos to the people of Israel before the exile. Here he's saying the same. Do you see what's happening? I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to get your attention for your good. We cannot overstate the importance of the temple for the Israelites' well-being. The temple had dual primary purposes. It was the place of sacrifice to cover the sin of the people and maintain good relations with a holy God. That's why he says, I want to be pleased in it with acceptable sacrifices to maintain good relation with the people. And it was the dwelling place of God's glory among them. Which is why he also says, I want to be glorified in it. So, the people's neglect of the temple for these last two decades demonstrates their carelessness and neglect over their sin and God's presence among them. They didn't care. Let's see how they respond now to God's confrontation. Read with me verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people showed reverence for the Lord. Hallelujah. They repented. They repented. They considered their ways and they turned back to God. 
With great humility and reverence, they saw God as God. Look at the two reversals that take place here in this, in this one verse. First, they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, reversing the curses that resulted from their disobedience to the voice of the Lord. And second, don't miss that change in pronoun. That little pronoun is of eternal significance. They obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. Two times here in this verse, their God is reinstated. After considering their ways, confessing their sin, and turning back to God, once again they are restored as His people. And He is their God. We'll see next week. Pastor Tom's going to preach on chapter 2. And God, we see how greatly pleased God is with them. And he says to them, mark my words. Mark this day. From this day on, I'm going to bless you. I'll leave, I'll leave that to Pastor Tom. That's amazing. Let's see how God responds here in this passage, verses 13 through 15. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke by the commission of the Lord to the people, saying, I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king. This is so good. He receives their sincere repentance. Of course he does. He's so merciful. And then he commissions them, now go, go, get to work. But don't forget, you're not alone. I am with you. And then he stirs them up by his spirit so that they would devote themselves in building the house of the Lord. This is a great word of assurance. Can I just say, to hear God, creator, sustainer, redeemer, and cosmic judge of all the universe and all human life tell you, I am with you should grip us so tightly with overwhelming joy and security. We have no other need. Amen. A couple months ago, I was with my boys from back in the day up in North Jersey at a funeral. I had some opportunities to share of various aspects of my faith with them. Great opportunities. And at one point, one of my boys said, uh, he, he kind of made a comment, but it was formed in a question too. He said, but God is always with us, right? I said, that's a big question, bro. I said, God is present 
everywhere and knows every thought and action of every human being on earth. But he is not with everyone in the sense of for their good. He does not provide unceasing protection and provision for everybody. Only those who come to him and acknowledge him rightfully as God. I said, look around us. Look at these beautiful houses. God provided all these things for these people. But unfortunately, most of the people in this neighborhood, they don't give a lick about him. He is not with them. But let me tell you guys something that I know for certain. He is with me. He is with me. And no matter what happens to me or my family in this life, and there is going to be hardship for sure, we are good because we are his and he is with us. I said, I know that might be a tough word to hear, but I hope that you can see the joy and assurance in what he offers us. They were grateful for an honest answer. So an amazing word of assurance and great ending here. The people of God consider their ways, confess their sins, and commit themselves to the Lord their God. Amen? Now, what does that mean for us today? Well, first, let's make the proper connections. As we've just seen, the temple of God had a special significance under the Old Covenant in the Old Testament as the place where the Lord takes pleasure in sacrifices and where his glory dwells among his people. We saw that in verse 8. Under the New Covenant in the New Testament, the place of sacrifice and God's glory is located in a person, Jesus Christ. Jesus' death on the cross is the only acceptable sacrifice that is pleasing to God. And likewise, Jesus himself is the ultimate dwelling place of God's glory among us. We see this all throughout the New Testament. So, first things first. Is God your God? Can you say that he is with you no matter what? If not, then believe in the good news of what God has done for you through the death and resurrection of his son. Believe and receive the promises of God, eternal security with us in him. Second, if you are a Christian, well, let's just follow the outline laid before us here in Haggai 1. Consider your ways, confess your sin where need be, and commit yourselves to the Lord's work, 
to his priorities. Consider your ways, confess your sin, and commit yourselves to the Lord's work. If you're a Christian, God is yours, and you are his. And you have purpose in this world. And spoiler alert, it is not to become as economically successful as you can possibly be. That's America's purposes for you. From what we just read, their work was to build the house of the Lord, that is, to build his temple. But in the New Testament, the house of the Lord is the living body of Jesus Christ, his church. Our purpose is to make God known in the church and throughout the world in word and deed, and to build up his spiritual house by making him known, leading people to Christ. As they come to Christ, they become living stones, members of God's one big, beautiful, spiritual temple built on the cornerstone that is Jesus. We sang about it this morning. We saw this all throughout our last series in Revelation. Where at the end, the masterpiece of God is depicted as a temple, but actually consists of all the people of God in which he dwells in the midst of us forever and ever. It's a beautiful end and a beautiful work. Notice the similarities between God's commission to his people here through Haggai. Go, build my house, I am with you. And the, similarity, and the connection to Jesus' commission to his people at the end of the Gospels. Go, preach the gospel, make disciples, baptizing them into my body. Behold, I am with you. So, family, as God's people, we have a great purpose. Make him known and make him loved. From right here in our church to our communities around us, in our neighborhood, in our workplaces, in our schools, at the gym, at the parks, recreational clubs, and to the ends of the world. In other words, very simply put, outreach and discipleship, both near and far, showing the love of Christ in our service of others and sharing the hope of the gospel with one another and with the world around us. Let me give you a glimpse now as to what this could look like here at Riverstone. We have a couple, we have one slide with, with just, a, with just a, a, gla a glance at areas here at the church that need you all to fill as we seek together to grow our body and impact the world around us. Right now. There are, there, are, there are places in this church's living ministry that are calling and need you all. We have children and youth ministry opportunities here. 
investing in discipling our young ones, planting seeds, cultivating seeds and growth. This is arguably the most or, or among the most influential work you can do in your life. Youth and children ministry here at the church. Worship team. We, we have needs on our, our worship team. We need you to be part of fostering a culture of worship. AV. We need hospitality service in, 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 the, in the morning. Uh, various service ministries that you can see both posted up here and online. Family, Sunday morning here, this is the first place and the weekly place that we come to encounter and experience God among us. And every single one of these roles is vital to tasting and seeing the goodness of God and his presence among us. Amen? We have a variety of ways through our church, that you can impact the community locally. Participate in our service and partnership with Choice One, with Kingdom Builders, local service projects, meeting the needs of our, of our family here and our community. We have Marsville Food Pantry right down the road where we're trying to strengthen our impact and support of them to minister to the needs of those in our community. Productive Lives. A new partnership with down, down in Philadelphia. Some members from our church uh, help, are part of the board and, and oversee that work down there. We just had an event with them last Sunday. International Project. We're supporting Kevin and Jeannie King. They're, so they're some of our min, uh, missionaries out of New York City. They have a thrift store that we've been supporting. And they're looking for hands to help with sorting ministries to reach Arab Muslims in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. We're partnering with Grace Point, Church of Living Hope. This is some fun stuff in this year ahead. We have global opportunities for you to give and pray and support our missionaries. Today starts, I didn't bring a flyer up, but today you can actually dip into the Middle East. We've been working in the Middle East for the last five years. Sign up, register for the one hour this Sunday, next Sunday, and the following one, three Sundays in a row. Taste it. Find out how you can get involved from your house you don't have to go to the Middle East to get involved in reaching the ends of the, world, the earth. Unreached peoples through our partners in the Middle East. You can do this. Today at five, you can, you can get an inside look and, and you can tour what our partnership with Lebanon looks like. And then next week in Syria. This is some amazing stuff. Opportunities for us all. Let's not forget also the essence of our call. It's organic, family. It's organic. How are you utilizing your workplaces and your various spheres of influence, your home? How are you utilizing your home for outreach and discipleship? I read an article. I, I always get, um, I get sucked in. I'm a sucker for those headlines that are like seven steps to successful blank. They get me. Not anymore as much because I'm always disappointed in them that they overcomplicate Christ and Christ crucified. So, so, but this one caught my attention because it's from a missiologist that I love. And, and it was seven opportunities for uh, like powerful outreach this season. So I clicked it. Nope it up and I loved it. It was so helpful. You know what it was? The seven opportunities for us all to engage in, in effective outreach. The seven opportunities. October, November, <laughs> December, January, February, March, April. Seven straight months starting in this one that all 
contain holidays in which people are off, come together, host gatherings, parties, but are typically planned to entertain me and my family. How can we steward these, these, these times of the year in the seven months ahead to gather neighbors, coworkers, friends from school, and, and introduce traces of the gospel in each one of these holidays? I guarantee you can do it if you just think about it, even Halloween, or if it's fall fest or harvest season that you want to celebrate, whatever you want to call it. Same with discipleship family. All we're talking about is growing together in, the, in, in our faith, in the word, and in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. And that requires close proximity to one another. That's it. That may be difficult to, 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 to conceive of in our day and age and with our culture. I, I understand that. But, but push through and trust that God has blessings and satisfaction in store for you as you come together to disciple one another. Family, if you've been coming to Riverstone Church, these are the very kingdom priorities that you can commit to for God's glory and your joy. Your joy. I need to touch on this quickly. Carrying out God's commission to make disciples and build his church is not merely something that we do to fulfill our duties. It fuels your joy. Your joy. God gets glory from our work. We get joy being part of his eternal, beautiful work. This is the work that God has given us to do, outreach and discipleship. When you engage in service toward these ends from right here on Sunday and throughout the week, he fills you with joy and satisfaction in this life, regardless of your life circumstances. Why? Because you're fulfilling your heavenly purpose on earth. We see this link between joy and mission all throughout the scriptures and especially in the New Testament. I love that place where Jesus is, is uh, witnessing to the, the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4. He's, he's sharing with her the good news of who he is and, and his disciples leave because they're hungry and they go get food and they come back and they're like, Jesus, we got some food for you. He's like, no, I'm good. What was he talking Did you give him some food? Did you need to eat some food. No, no, no. I have my fill. You don't understand. My food is to do the will of my Father and to accomplish his work. Do you see that connection? Doing the work of God is where we will find true satisfaction in this life and the fuel to keep on working. He finishes the scene by telling them, pretty soon, my brothers and sisters, when I leave, you'll be working with me and we'll be rejoicing together in this work. Check it out, John 4, at some point this week. Some of you get this. Some of you have tasted the great reality of joy at hand in service to God and his priorities, and you can't get enough. You know Sue Termina? You should get to know Sue. 
Sue came to me a couple weeks ago and said, Austin, I see ways that we can strengthen our hospitality ministries here on Sunday morning. Would you let me participate in more committed ways to this work? Uh, yes. Thank you. We had our first meeting next week. She's coming in with pages of notes. I'm looking at her like, whoa. She saw the need. She filled it. She owned it. You all know Frank Rhodes? You should get to know Frank Rhodes. This is kind of embarrassing for me because it was a couple weeks ago when Kim, his wife, she's been serving here for years on staff with our children's ministry. She just had a retirement from Riverstone party just a couple weeks ago downstairs. So me, this is totally inappropriate in hindsight now. I engaged Frank at her retirement party and I'm like, hey, want to get to work? So I draw near to him and I'm like, and I'm like Frank, would you consider being part of spearheading uh, our support with Morrisville Food Pantry? This way we can mobilize our people in, in more more, more uh, concentrated ways and, uh, and support the needs of our community. He's like, yeah, absolutely. I'll do it. Be happy to. Well, Frank, why don't you, why don't you, you know, take it home, pray about it? I don't need to pray about it. I'm in. I'm happy to. I don't need to pray about it. I need to say something about that real quick. Often I hear... I need to pray about that. I'm just waiting upon the Lord to show me what to do. I'm just waiting upon the will of the Lord to show me what to do. Can I just ask you a question? Let's put this into check. Do you pray and wait upon the Lord before you go golfing? Do you pray and wait upon the Lord before you go shopping? Do you pray and wait upon the Lord before you play football, sports, go dancing, or whatever it is that you do? You get the point? God has made it very clear what he asks of us, and it's actually very simple. We really don't need much more clarity from him. You don't know Fatima Nelson, Latanya Nelson? They're awesome. You should get to know Fatima and Latanya. They came to me. We sat down. I offered their, I, I showed them ways that they can get involved. I said, look, there's two opportunities. Why don't you both consider them? Maybe in the, in the week ahead you could pray about it, consider. And they're like, we'll take them both. We'll do them both. Well, girls, I mean, look, I, I get, I mean, I, I understand, you, you know, you, you're, you're zealous and everything, but maybe you want, Austin, Fatima says, I have committed myself to God this year. I am done operating in my comfort zone. I'm committing myself to being stretched for his sake and his church. Hallelujah. Thank you, Fatima. Latanya's Latin, like, yeah, me too. Sign me up, both. You all know Pete Reeves? You should get to know Pete Reeves. Pete had a hard year. Pete comes to me two weeks ago and he says, you know what, Austin? I, took a re I recently took a personal time inventory. I have time. And you know what my conclusion is? More time means more time for God's work. I'm signing up to, be, to take more leadership in men's ministry and kingdom builder, king, the kingdom builders. Amen. Thank you, Pete. You all know the Regal family? You should get to know the Regals, long-term, dedicated servants of our church here. Last Wednesday, we had our first kids' clubs morning, uh, kids' clubs in the, in the evening on, Oct on October 6th. Now, their kids grew, grew out of kids' clubs, but, but just to give you a glimpse of, of, of this joy thing that I'm talking about, their kids grew out of kids' clubs, so they don't serve there anymore. They serve elsewhere in a, in a number of other areas, but first thing Thursday morning, Janet Miller gets a text from Zoe Regal. I want to know all about it. Of course she does. 
She has to. Give me some of that joy. Don't you take it all yourself. Give me some of that joy. What did God do last night? Who was here? I want to hear about all the kids that were here. I want to hear about the leaders. I want to hear about how God was among you. Of course she needed to hear. You all know Kathleen Kansky? You should get to know Kathleen. Last Sunday, I'm sitting in the back at the welcome desk with Kathleen, and, and I'm talking to her about fueling a passion of prayer at the church here. And as I'm walking around, I'm like, thank you, Kathleen. You're such an inspiration to me. She belts out, family, we're back. Praise God. It's time to get to work. And it starts with prayer. Yes, you are right, Kathleen. We're back, family. Let's get moving. Amen? There are many more families and individuals who serve here out of the joy of being part of God's work in building his masterpiece. And we pray for more and more laborers to rise up from among us. If you are feeling led this morning in the days ahead over the course of next week, next two weeks especially as we continue to work through Haggai, consider your ways. How can you commit? Pastor John's in the back at a, at a table, also the welcome desk. You can look at a, at a sheet and see what areas line up that you can give yourself to the priorities of God. Family, this is not manipulation here. This is the point of the text. And let's make something clear. I'm not exempt. Okay, you best believe before I came up here preaching to you all, I had to do some, some work before the Lord myself on my priorities. And I had to readjust some things. Because it's just too easy for priorities to fall out of whack. And I'd be happy to share that with you, but I'm out of time now. So we can talk afterward if you want. A story is told about a man, in closing, who was walking down the street and came across a construction site. He stumbles upon the first worker and he says, what you doing? He says, oh, just laying bricks. Cool. Have a good day. He, he carries on. He comes across the second worker. Hey, so what are you guys doing? Oh, we're uh, laying bricks, building a wall. That's all. Okay. Have a good day. He moves on. Comes across the third guy. So what are you all doing? Oh, we're, we're laying bricks to build a wall on the side of this cathedral. This is going to be the most beautiful cathedral in the entire city. What a privilege to build this beauty. What is it that separates this third man's response from the other two? He's filled with joy. He sees where the end of his work is going toward. Family, God is building a masterpiece cathedral for all eternity and Riverstone being one of its many, many beautiful sides. Do you want in? Can you see that? I'll close where we began. On this 10th day of the 10th month, of the year 2021, the word of the Lord came to us. I considered my ways, confessed my sins, and committed to 
Let's pray. Oh God, thank you that you have set your special love upon us of all the peoples in the world, not because of anything we had to offer you, but solely because of your love and your mercy, and that you called us into your family and you send us out on mission. Lord, drive us with your priorities. As we read this morning, help us to seek first the kingdom of God, trusting that you will meet our every need above and beyond. Lord, help us to reflect upon your word this morning. Examine our ways and come to you full of service and fill us with your joy, O oh Jesus, that our joy with you would be made complete. In Jesus' name we pray. May God bless you, keep you, make his face to shine upon you as we move out from here and make him known. Amen? Be blessed, family.